0: I was so thankful Mike sent me the songs, and it's Fairest Lord Jesus. He's precious. Pass me not, and it hits well with my soul. (laughs) I look forward to saying that at the end. Psalm 50, if you will. This is a Psalm of Asaph, and our brother just read Psalm 77 psalm of asaph he was a song leader in the church and a levite and one of the elders because he preached uh i've said that before i can't remember which ones if it's david or asaph he wrote several Uh, i forget ought not but i do but what he just read there in psalm 77 all that pain and suffering and my soul refused to be comforted and after a pause he said this is my infirmity I you, that, ain't, that ain't the Lord's fault. That's my fault. That's my fault. And I thought, it doesn't matter if that's Asaph or David or me or you say that too. That's <laughs> us, isn't it? He writes here in Psalm 50. I want to remind you too, there's a, as you turn there, there's, um, I pray the Lord raise up laborers for his harvest. And uh, down in Florida, I just found out uh, about a month or so ago, there's a man that Greg had talked with years ago and for a while, and the Lord worked in him, and uh, and he's preaching the truth down there about an hour and a half, two hours away from Apopka in uh, Lakeland, Florida. And uh, I reached out to him and uh, spoke with him a little bit and looked forward to learning more. And then I got another email, thought it was the same fellow initially, from St. Petersburg, though. And the Lord saved him about three years ago, and he's a preacher. And he was preaching, and about a month ago, they finally had enough of him. They can't stand that gospel no more, and they run him off. And so the Lord's sheep left with him, and they're meeting in a storefront. And uh, But there are, one's preaching the mo- first message at, in Apopka this morning. The other one's preaching the second message. And then Greg's baptizing one and, and some folks from the other church. And, uh, and then they're going to have a big meal after, too. And so there's... I said, Lord's shaking up Florida. I'm I'm thankful, I'm happy, and that's what this psalm's about. Psalm fifty. I, I've heard it preached a lot of different ways, but we'll look at the first six verses. This is the Lord declaring who He is, and Him saving His people. And I like to hear about that. That don't get old. I don't I don't get tired of hearing who He is. I don't get tired. I don't grow tired of hearing what He's done. And and tell me one more time. I think of they're in Rahab's house. You think think that through real hard. You think her mommy and daddy wanted to go where she worked? I bet they wish that place burned down a thousand times. And they're in there with her, in that house of a harlot. And, and, and what he said, red, right? Now, did you tie it? You got that scarlet line tied? What kind of knot did you use? Make Andre knows knots. Make him go check. <laughs> want to hear it again? Tell me one more time. Psalm fifty, verse one. This is a psalm of Asaph song leader the mighty God even the Lord hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof the mighty God the Lord he begins here with three different names of the Lord the mighty El God Elohim and the Lord the self-existent one the psalm begins speaking of the triune God, and it ends speaking of Him too. He said, "I'll show you my salvation." The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken. And I thought, what a what a blessing that is that He speaks to us. I was walking in my yard yesterday, and it's absolutely covered in ants. I guess because that rain. I mean, they are all over, and I. Forget about them, and then I actually thought I just felt one. They start climbing up me, and then I had one on my neck, and it was on my arms, and I go up my shoes. and They're all over. They're everywhere. And I read an article the day before that. It estimated there's 1.4 million ants per person that's alive on the earth. That's a lot of ants. There's quadrillions of them. I think I have a few people's worth on my property, but if I were to stoop down just one of them, if I went and I picked up one of those little ants and I calmed it so it wasn't running all around and I spoke to it and I did something good for that ant and I provided for that ant, that would not come close to the stooping down, the descending, that for the Lord to speak to sinners like me. God has spoken. He hath spoken. The mighty God, the Lord, has spoken. It says in Hebrews 1, God who at sundry time and in divers manners spake in times past to the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. He speaks of his Son and he speaks through his Son who Christ is and what he's done. That's why he speaks to us. If he speaks, if the Lord speaks we ought to pay close attention, shouldn't we? If he came here today and said, I'm going, to, I'm going to speak, we ought to pay very close attention. He says, And I called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. That's That general call of come to Him, see Him, adore Him. Salvation's of the Lord. That's from sun up to sun down. All day. What's that mean? That means it's worthy to be heard. And it doesn't change. Nothing's changed. Worthy is the Lamb. It's what He's always been and shall always be. Nothing's nothing's changed. And it's all the earth. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That's so. But declare it to all nations. It says in verse 2, Out of Zion. We can... Take that section out, the perfection of beauty. Out of Zion, God hath shined. But speaking of Zion, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. It says out of Zion, not out of Sinai. Not where there was thunder and there was lightning and there was people being afraid, being scared. But out of Zion, out of mercy, out of grace, out of peace, out of love. And out of of us, that's Zion. The church of God, His body, we're called Zion. He shined. Out of Zion hath God shined. In physical mountains and creation the Lord shines too, don't he? Throughout this word. We read back in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day, every day, don't stop, uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. And there's no speech or language where his voice is not heard. It's so you walk outside. I was driving to services this morning, and I was passing all those trees on my road and it's got them little bitty green leaves. A million on each tree. I don't know how many. And I was just I thought the Lord provides and sustains every leaf on every tree. And I just I just sunk. I'm a worm. I just put you on the ground, don't I? You want not go popping off about what I have done to the Lord? Absolutely not. Look look around. That's just creation. That's just physical stuff. But through his church, through his Zion, that's how he gives life to his children. Just as we're physically born through a bride, through his bride, that's how life comes to his children. That body, that church, he says in, in his sight, as it truly is, she is the perfection of beauty. Would you say that about yourself? In the sight of the holy God, I'm the perfection of beauty. I could never say such a thing. He says it because He did it. It's His workmanship, isn't it? God shines out of that body that He perfected. It says in Hebrews 10, For by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What He's called clean, His creation, His workmanship, it's perfect. There's there's no adjusting. It'll grow. Just like a a, a human body when it's born, it's got everything it needs. (laughs) If you're a child of God, when you're born of the Spirit... You, you're fully equipped to be in front of the, the holy God forever. Right then. You're as holy as he's holy. You're as perfect as he's perfect. You're sanctified, set apart for his use as you could ever be. Right then. He says, it's the perfection of beauty. That's so. That's so. And God shines out of that body. It happens to be housed in this old body of death, this old broken vessel. But God shines through And it ain't us. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 6, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, he said, For God... Who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Just as he said, Let there be light, and there was void and darkness in the beginning and creation, that's the same thing that happened to us. Salvation's a command. And he said, Let that light come forth. (laughs) And there was light in us, wasn't it? The light of knowledge, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, all of a sudden, we don't learn facts or a systematic theology we're learning about a person our savior now, there's a new paragraph that begins in verse seven but i thought boy what a continued thought if you's writing a paper you talk about transitioning to a good paragraph this goes right with it, verse seven but we have this treasure this light the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ we have this treasure in earthen vessels old busted up clay pots that can't do nothing That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's why we're a perfectly beautiful body in Zion. That he shines through, that way he gets all the glory for it. And just as we looked last hour, if you fear him, you can say he made me fear him. (laughs) It's his doing. Wouldn't have it any other way. That's how God shines into this world. He abides in broken clay pots, he saves us, he shines in us, and that comes out of us. Like that little fellow said. Mommy, if, if Christ is in me, ain't he gonna stick out? <laughs> he say, "Sure is." Ain't he? Can't 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 keep from it, with rejoicing and with fearing God, fearing God. I was a little boy. I went to stay with a friends at a friend's house, and his mom his mom would always say, "The devil ain't got nothing on me." And i mean, as a small child, I said, "Don't say that. That ain't you. Don't know what you're saying. I don't really know what you're saying, but I, you sure don't know what you're saying either." There's some reverence that needs to take place about what God's done, not what we do. Remember in Acts 2, how it ended? It says, they, and they continuing daily, every day, just like that sun comes up every day, just like His mercies renew every day, His words sustaining and forever. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Not with 50 different opinions, one gospel, one truth, one Lord, one baptism. Not 20 baptisms, one. Not 20 saviors, one. With one accord of the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, communing together, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. One heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. They're just happy the Lord saved them. And they want to be around the other people the Lord saved. And it says, and the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. How did he add that church daily? Christ shining out of, out of them. You see that? Back at our text, are in Psalm 50 verse 3. <clears throat> it says, Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. Silence. A fire shall devour before him and it shall be very temptuous round about him. He shall come. He shall come. And, and, I wanna tell folks. There's, it's people's fault, it's preachers' fault, it's mankind's fault. This poor little Jesus sissy Jesus that wants to do things and God's trying, that's no God. Or God that did most of it and the last little the last yard on the football field's up to you. That's no God. That's an imagin imaginary thing. Our God's a consuming fire and judgment is true, and it's coming. That's a reality. And I want to warn those outside of Christ. Come to Him. Come to this city of refuge. Bow to Him. Beg Him for mercy. He's faithful. He delights to show mercy. Come, come. Fire's coming. I was thinking about Hawaii. You think there's people warning folks? There's stories all over the Internet. That's trying to get people out. The fire's coming. It's right there. He's a consuming fire. But remember, this is speaking about his church. This is him saving his people, isn't it? It said in Exodus 24, the sight of the the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. That was Sinai, wasn't it? That was a consuming fire. It's going to burn everything. And that's for those that want to observe and keep the law. You want to keep the law? Ain't you heard the law? That's what Paul said. Go read it. You ain't kept it. You can't keep it. You won't ever keep it. That consuming fire is from that. Our text says there in verse 2, Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very temptuous round about him. Whose God's coming? Our God. Remember the end of Psalm 48, this God is our God forever and ever. That who's coming. That who's coming. He shall come. He has come physically in the person of his Son and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he shall come to each of his children. He shall save his people from their sins. He won't lose one. And he shall come and he shall not keep silent. And he'll be like those voices of many waters. You can't hear nothing else. The thundering of the Lord's voice. He thundereth marvelously with his voice. and He shall come to his people and it shall fire, shall devour before him. And it's going to be very temptuous round about him. He's going to burn up everything that's not provided by him and for him. Whatever what, what he's required, he's provided. And if you're trying to come to him and you're his with something else, he's gonna burn that up. If you're leaning on some decision you made 45 years ago, he's gonna burn that up if you're his. Everything's gonna burn. And it's gonna take everything away and point all of our focus to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's gonna consume everything. Well, what if I ain't burn enough stuff? It don't matter if you burn enough stuff. I ain't put away my idols. No, you can't. You're gonna to cling to them, you can't put them away. He will. And then you'll say, burn it. Like those those books of curious art, those curious cartoons they had. Oh, it's 50,000 pieces of silver. I don't want somebody else getting them. Set them on fire. Burn them. He's going to burn everything, isn't he? Burn everything that's not provided by him alone. And he's going to shake things up. (laughs) It said in Deuteronomy 12, Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and upon every green tree. And ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire. And ye shall hewn down the graven images of their little G-gods and destroy their names out of those places. That's what King Josiah did. He come and he burnt the whole place down. Get rid of it. We don't do that. God does it. If we did it, we'd say, you know what, I, I picked the right matches. <laughs> I used the right lighter fluid. I cut it in little tiny pieces so it burnt real good out in the backyard. God does it. And that's in the heart. Do you get that? That ain't physically like the crosses and the angels and the garbage and religious garb and all that stuff. That's in the heart. He burns the things we're clinging to. And I'm thankful. He must do it. I can't do We were set in this world, but we're not of the world, to declare through those broken vessels what He's done, who He is, and His shining glory. It says in Luke 3, as it's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make His path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked path made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That will be some stormy waters for some people, wouldn't it? you imagine right now if the mountains started coming down and the valleys started coming up and all the crooked roads started to be made straight and everything that it was sticking up got knocked down, everything down got lifted up, we'd be vibrating all over the place. Talk about an earthquake. That's stormy waters, but the Lord will apply it as he sees fit. We just declare it. And if he's, if he's chosen to lift some up, be a saver of life unto life, that's his business. He's chosen to tear some down, make them a savor of death and death. That's his business. Our job don't change, does it? The first time Christ came to this earth, not much was said. I mean, we're, it's recorded and we rejoice in it. We do. Is this place packed with 3.8 million people in this county? No, it ain't. The first time he came, most people, they heard some things or 5,000, ate a bunch of fish and some biscuit, and they went on about their day, didn't they? But that second coming, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess one thing. The first time his people, they heard about him when he, when he works in us. First time you, you read a Bible or you went to a church or something and, and you heard some things about God, not much things were noticed. Not much things were said and you just went on about your daily life. didn't you? There's a moment for each one of his sheep that God, when he does not keep silent in your heart, and everything that's not Christ catches on fire. He says burning down all around me. There he is. Just like those three Hebrew children in the fire, right? That's, that looks like a fourth. No old Nebuchadnezzar, it hadn't he went on about his day after that. That looks like the Son of God. How do you know what the Son of God looked like? <laughs> Said so, didn't he? Some things changed a couple chapters later from Nebuchadnezzar, didn't it? He shall not keep silent. I wanted to point this out too. Just because the Lord doesn't speak in judgment right then does not mean we're okay. Uh, walk around this world and, and and you see all these things and this blasphemy and these rainbows all over the place and people without knowledge and understanding and, and, and all the debauchery and all that, and it's terrible. And just because the Lord don't squash it right then doesn't mean everything's okay. And that's internally. If we was alone on a deserted island, the thoughts that I have, there's times I think, I can't believe the Lord didn't strike me dead right now. That doesn't mean that if somebody has some guilt or a little bit of sad feelings, they know they did something wrong, and the Lord ain't killed them. Doesn't mean everything's okay. Just because the Lord doesn't judge immediately doesn't mean that we have his favor. And it doesn't mean that he's indifferent. Look down at verse 21, Psalm 50, 21. It says, These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest I was altogether such as one as thyself. That's what we do, right? If another human being was, well, they didn't say it was wrong. You watched me do it and you didn't say nothing about it. You must be okay with it. That's what we do. Lord's not that way. Just because he doesn't answer immediately doesn't mean that he's like us. He said, I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. He's going to sort it out. He knows what he's doing. Back in verse four, Psalm 50, verse four. It says, and he shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Not that he's going to judge everybody on earth. This is talking about his people. His people. God's going to summon all of the heavens and he's going to summon all the earth to witness his judgment. And that final day, we're going to watch the sun judge. And I can't I know it's so. I can't enter into it now. There'll be people I love dearly and and they'll be cast off with the goats and I'll rejoice with a pure, sinless heart, and I said, "This is right; he does right. this is wonderful. We'll clap and sing songs and break bread, and it'll be great. but heaven and earth sees what the Lord judges in his people right now, doesn't it? When he comes to us, and he judges, just like Joseph, he spoke harshly to him, said you are spies." Lord's gonna to have to He need to judge at that final day, he'll judge on this earth, and break our hearts and show us our guilt and show us what we are, and they say, That's right, we are guilty. Like <laughs> them ten brothers said, You got us. That's us. And heaven and earth's going to be involved in watching that. He said in Luke 15, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need repentance. That one, he's going to summon all heaven and earth and say, Watch this, watch what I'm going to do. We are judged in that Redeemer on Calvary. That's the judgment He He reveals in us. When we're convicted of sin and we're convicted of righteousness, we ain't nothing but sin. He is our righteousness. He's the only thing that's ever been righteous and convicted of judgment. All judgment's been put away. I was inside the Lord Jesus Christ by his covenant from the foundation of the world. The Lord put me there. And I was judged in him. God turned his back on God because of me. He was made me. And in doing so, because he's God and he's able we'll honor him forever, I was made righteousness. What a thought. What a thought. And that work's finished. That's done. What are we we left to do? Rest? (laughs) R and R? Rest, Relax. Have some refreshment and praise him, thank him for it. Now the Lord, through his Zion, once that's happened, it shines forth. How could you be so calm with all these torrential problems going on all around you and all these trials? The Lord did it. He hadn't dealt with me and my sin. He didn't dealt with me the way I ought to be dealt with. He dealt with Christ the way I ought to be dealt with. And because of that, I'm in him. You're crazy. That's what people told me before. <laughs> I they finally saying that's what it is. Go against God and try to do it yourself. Crazy. He gave me a new mind, didn't he? And that, that inside these broken vessels, it shines forth. And that calls to those who have not heard it yet. Look at verse 5. That's what the Lord's talking about here. Verse 5. Gather my saints together unto me. Those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. What covenant have we made by sacrifice? You sacrifice anything for the Lord? Well, I gave up a lot for him. No, I ain't. I ain't give up nothing. It's because it all means, it's all been burned up. I might physically still be in a home. I might physically still have a job. I might physically still have a car and a family and all that. But that inside, the Lord burns that up. Doesn't it? It's not my sacrifice. It's his sacrifice that we bring. And I don't want to make it. He's made that covenant and I don't want no other covenant. It said in Hebrews 12 that Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. I don't want my work and my doing. It's his. He said in Hebrews 12, I read that to you. When the Lord gave his table, I call it that on purpose. We'll observe his table on the first Sunday or whatever. It ain't my table. I can't hedge a table. It ain't mine. It's his table. He said he took the cup and he gave thanks. He gave it to them saying, Drank all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. That's that covenant. That's that sacrifice that was made himself. He offered himself a sacrifice. In Hebrews 13 it says, Now the God of peace that brought again From the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of his everlasting covenant, make you perfect. The perfection of beauty. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that shines forth, that's his working. He's doing it. He abides in his people. About me and the father, he said, we're gonna set up our residence inside of them. What sacrifice does a child of God make? Christ our sacrifice. Not of, of bulls and goats and not not of money and of time and devotion. And that'll come. That's just that ain't nothing, you know. But we give to the Lord what He demands. And what He demands, He provides our Savior. Christ, our living sacrifice. That's who we come with. Don't come to I want to tell the world. You think you did something good for God? If it ain't Christ alone that you're bringing to him, I pray he burns it up or you're going to burn. Don't, don't bring nothing in your hand. In my hand, no price I bring. Simply to thy cross, thy sacrifice, thy work, I claim. Come to him that way, in Christ alone. Verse 6 says, And the heavens shall declare his righteousness. They do now, physically, right? Uh, Watch a comet or uh, the moon or whatever. I don't know. Look up, see the birds flying. Watch it rain. Do something. He's on his throne. He's mighty. That does. That's just physical stuff. All the hosts of heaven that's up there right now and our our brethren that the Lord saved throughout time has took home right now, oh, they declare his righteousness. What if I die before he comes? I'm going to be with him in glory. I'm going to declare his righteousness, not my own, his. We have an understanding and a knowledge of His righteousness, don't we? And when that day shall come, all of glory will declare His righteousness. For, because God is judge Himself. Is that going to happen because I thought it was right? I've decided that this is right. I'm the decider of what's right and wrong, and wrong, and that place is wrong, and that place is wrong, and that place is wrong, now I'm in the right place. No. He's the judge. He's the judge. He's done it all. He's a judge, jury, executioner, sustainer, and he built the courthouse. <laughs> he built me that stayed in the courthouse. He did it all. And I'm thankful. And Selah. I first read through that a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it's 23 verses. If I could keep it about a minute, minute and a half a piece, that'd be about 30 minutes, that'll be good. I started reading it. I, just, I looked at the number of verses first, and I saw that seal, and I thought, oh, I need to stop and pause and think about that for a little bit, Don. I need to stop and think about that. I pray somebody else stop and think about that. Maybe someone never thought about that, never heard, just went on about their business. Maybe maybe today might be the Lord. I think it's it. I think the Lord's going to say some folks. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, thank you for your consuming fire. Salvation that's in Christ and Him alone, and keeping the undeserving people, making us righteous, and sanctifying us, and redeeming us, being our wisdom, and where our heart overflows. We try to count our blessings. Who can number them? Thank you for the heart you've given your people, Lord, and we trust you shall save your people. Abide in us and allow your glory to shine forth. Lord, make us invisible, this body of death. Forgive us for what we are. Thank you for working in this United States and around this world and saving your people as you promised you will. We still thank you, Lord. We're encouraged by it. Let us learn our brethren and love them. Thank you for this day. It's in Christ's name that we ask you. Amen.